for us, I have to say, lots of people believe sports, professional sports, everything is really played on a fitness level, on a physical level, on a, on a tactical or technical level. But in the end of the day, it's, it's a mental game. Hello and welcome to the City Voice podcast. My name's Peter Wood. I'm the, the guy that looks after the content at, at, the, at the soccer club. Today, I'm joined by two very special guests. I'm joined by uh, Professor Dr. Daniel Mehmet. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And I'm joined by Lutz Fannenstiel, uh, the St. Louis City SC Sporting Director. Uh, and uh, let me just give you a little bit of a, an introduction because this is a very special day. I know Lutz is very excited about this. Um, Dr. Daniel is Managing Director and Professor at the Institute of Training Science and Sports Informatics at the German Sport University of Cologne. In 2003, he received his doctorate, his, his doctorate, his thesis, a task-oriented approach to the analysis of cognitions in sports games. Uh, and you were awarded third place uh, in the Young Talent Award for the German Association of Sports Science. In 2008, you completed your habilitation subject, Creativity in Sports Games. 2014, you were a guest professor at the University of Vienna. I did a little bit of additional research on top of this, just to make sure that you are the real deal. Um, on uh, the website ResearchGate, 393 publications, 288,000 reads with almost 6,000 citations, uh, and you rank first in the field of sports science in Germany. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big intro. Lutz, a lot of people know about you, but I'm, I'm just going to reacquaint people with you. Uh, you're the sporting director. Um, at St. Louis City SC. Um, you've played for 27 clubs across six continents. The only player to have played across six continents, is that correct? I think I played for 25, Pete, but uh, the, the, rest is, the rest I think is correct. Your yeah. Wikipedia is letting you down. Um, and you've taken technical positions for the Cuban national team, FIFA, Hoffenheim and Dusseldorf. So with the introductions um, complete, um, Doctor, I would love you to explain um, a little bit about um, what you do because it's uh, it's yeah. an exciting area and field and I'd love to hear it um, yeah. in your own words. Yeah, we're doing a lot of um, research in the area of sport psychology. That means in the area of cognition, creativity, motivation, perception and uh, working memory, all these kind of stuff. And on the other hand, we are we do a lot of research in the area of computer science that uh, we, are, we are we have big data, we have tracking data in soccer and um, we try to detect some um, patterns out of them. So we are working with KPIs um, and want to show if they have an influence on soccer. So I would say these are the two big research fields at our institute. Lutz, so what, how, how did the relationship form? How did you two meet? What's the story behind it? Yeah, we know each other since a, a very long time. Um, when I was working in Hoffenheim from 2011 onwards, actually, uh, Daniel was there as a consultant where Hoffenheim was always being considered the most innovative and most modern club where data, cognition, uh, sports science um, was, was always very important uh, factors to be, to be quicker, to be, uh, I would call it, uh, thinking outside the box actually, not just think about the, the traditional way of, of, of playing the game. And well, you mentioned all uh, Professor 
Dr. Mehmet's credentials. I mean, he wrote like 35 books. Um, I don't think you read as many in your life as he wrote uh, or most people. And, and, and that's something really special where, um, yeah, we got to know each other there. Um, I really liked his approach to it. I really liked his, his creativity, his ideas. And uh, that's something I have the opportunity to have him here in the States to actually work with our coaches, to work with our stuff, uh, to also plant different ideas in our minds, I think is a very important part to actually get the game to the next level. And uh, Daniel, you're from uh, Cologne. Um, if you could tell us a fun fact about uh, about Cologne before we, we dive into the technical aspects of this podcast. Yeah, Cologne is a beautiful city, but um, what is most important in Cologne is the Carnival, for sure. It starts at 11 uh, November each year, and it lasted till um, mid-end of February. And uh, Carnival is something very special. The people customized themselves and had a lot of fun. And uh, you, yeah, I would... Uh, Yeah, I'd love to invite you to to join that event. It's uh, it's um, unique uh, in Germany. You you could say the carnival in Cologne. Big carnival city, Lutz. Um, can you verify the fact that Cologne is the best carnival city in Germany? Yeah, the, but people from Cologne really believe, but actually it's not. You know, there is three <laughs> big carnival cities: it's Mainz, it's Cologne, and it is uh, Düsseldorf. Where Mainz is probably the third biggest one, and. The people from Cologne believe it's Cologne. People who lived in Düsseldorf and I worked in Düsseldorf definitely believe this is a Düsseldorf-made kind of festival. So we argue about that basically every day. And, um, well, I know I'm right. He thinks he's right. Let the best man win. So we found the tension in the podcast already. <laughs> um, so let's let's dive into cognition in sport because it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting subject. And... Um, You know, I, I was lucky enough to sit in on one of your uh, lectures that, that you did at the club the other day. And um, you showed us a, a video um, where uh, Joachim Lowe said that players have reached peak, uh, peak physical fitness. So the mind is the next frontier. Um, so like, tell us a little bit about cognition in sport, the basics. Like what's, um, how, does it, how does it work? Yeah, um, I think that um, cognitive skills are, um, yeah, a lot of um, work has done there, but the transfer to soccer is still at the beginning. And um, cognitive skill means um, anticipation, perception, attention, creativity, game intelligence, and working memory. And these are all factors where we have a lot of evidence there uh, that they are important. And we transfer that knowledge now to the area of team sports, not only soccer, but other sports as well. So we know that um, cognition has a big influence. They, are, they have an impact on performance. And um, so we try to um, bring that um, um, yeah, to the field, to the pitch. So, um, Lutz, when, um, when you're looking at new players to bring into the club or you know, you've just built out an academy, how do you, how do you scout for, um, for cognition in players? Is it, are there techniques or is this something that just comes naturally to you? No, there's definitely uh, uh, lots of things uh, you know we're trying to to implement and we're trying to figure out once we see the once we see the players train once once we have trials, we have different exercises where the cognitional skills will be shown to us, but not necessarily for the players to know that they're actually tested on that cognition. And for us, I have to say, lots of people believe sports, professional sports, everything is really played on a fitness level, on a physical level, on a, on a tactical or technical level. But in the end of the day, it's, it's a mental game. The mental process, everything what happens up in the brain is really 
just as important what happens with your body. And I think that is skills you really can train to move that up to the next skill. And I believe that not games and titles are not only won on a physical part. I think the biggest part is always up there in the brain. And with that skills, you can do a lot of work, a lot of work. Players don't realize that they do. So it's all unconsciously. You can do it consciously, but you also can unconsciously do add these actions. And that's one of the reasons why we have Daniel here now to really uh, focus on that, to give our coaches new ideas, new techniques to really go to the next level. So you talk of um, intelligence, like footballing intelligence in the game. And one of the most intelligent football players of all time is Lionel Messi. But I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast will be thinking, well, Lionel Messi's just got a natural gift. Like you can't, you can't train that. You can't, you can't train instinct. Um, is there a, a, a nature versus nurture argument? Can, can I train myself to think like Lionel Messi? As a psychologist, I would argue it's 50%, 50%. So, of course, there are genes there, but you have to, to train and um, develop the, the genes. And we say that 50% uh, is the environment. That means you're training, um, what you're doing, um, um, what you're practicing, um, what, what you focus on. So the training is incredibly important and uh, you can, as a coach, you should um, have the best training sessions um, possible and at the club you should um, have a good environment for the players to 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 bring them to the next level and so the environment is so important and we know a lot of facts there how you can um, optimize the environment for a football player or soccer player for example and um, there we are working on what is the best environment to um, bring out the best player who 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 has talent for sure, but then they have to go to the the they have to make the next step. That that means only talent um, don't bring you to a professional level. You need uh, the you need to practice. You need you need to deliver play. We would say to work in unstructured um, game situations like playing in the street, for example. So that is important. So we have so many um, empirical based um, principles how you can foster uh, creativity and game intelligence and um, that is what is important for coaches and for spotting directors. Luce, you played um, professional soccer for a, for a long time. How, um, how have professors like Daniel impacted the way you go about um, training? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, uh, you know, uh, when I started off, uh, numbers, uh, um, cognition, um, the mental game haven't really existed in that much uh, way as it is now. It was all based on pure motivation. We had a coach who actually tried to talk you up before a game, who worked a little bit on your stimulation. But now uh, I would say the last eight to ten years if really have changed. There is so many new developments, so many new studies, how he actually can make a player better, how he can make a player more focused, how he can actually get the motivation within the team. So players motivating player, player motivates himself. It's not always just the coach who really does that motivational part. And I think through that, uh, through people like Daniel, which comes through a very scientific approach, uh, with sometimes a complete different approach, which we usually would have as a, as a professional sports person, that's very, very important to learn from that, to let experience certain parts really to 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 flow into our way of education and the way we want to actually coach players we want to make players better so i think it's always the right mix you not just can train on cognition and on the mentality 
and on the creativity. You need to find the right mix between talent, instinct, the physical way, but actually work. Like Daniel said, that kind of genetical part to actually stimulate it, to get the players a little bit more active. And I always like to use that example. When I started playing, when I played in the youth national team, after well, when I played in the youth in general in my early years as a pro, we went off the field and we were physically exhausted. Right now, that have changed a lot. You still worked physically very hard, but you mentally exhausted because you can actually get your brain to work during every single session. And you need to get out of your comfort zone mentally to really go the next step. And I think that is a big difference uh, I experienced as a young pro to being a, a medium-age pro, to being an old pro and actually being now working in management. There was a huge difference in, in recent years. That's fascinating. So um, coaching the mind is now part of the game and to get to the highest level in football, it, it, you have to go beyond talent. Um, you mentioned some categories that you train. I've got anticipation, perception, attention, game intelligence, creativity, and memory. Um, I'd love you to give us an example. Like, What's a, a real-world example in one of those categories where you identify a problem and then you put something in place to, to, to activate a, a change in the player? Yeah, maybe we uh, talk about attention because attention is maybe one of the most um, important factors in in team sports. And um, with attention, we mean attention window. That means um, the uh, size of a window, attention window, what the persons perceive simultaneously at the same time, which kind of objects, how many objects do they perceive. And it's uh, we have, we know from studies, the, the, the bigger the attention window is, the more things you perceive simultaneously, uh, the better you are in tactical creativity for example or in gaming sense that means the amount of information a player can use to um, come up with um, uh, with ideas uh, we call it fluency a lot of ideas and to pick then the best out of that that's the best so um, you, you can train the attention window with um, our lab tasks so we have it um, in the internet you can just um, 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 train with them but you can train it on the pitch as well and we describe it in our book several um, 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 small sided games how you can um, train attention window um, and um, one um, if you want an example it's a call, there are seven um, persons or seven players who play the ball two balls that's important like a rondo um, but it's only one player in the in, uh, inside who try to get the ball and so you have two balls then um, um, that the players have a very, have a need for a very big attention window because it's not allowed to play two balls to the same person so you should have both balls in your view in your periphery and in your attention window to make good decisions and that is a very simple basic uh, small sided games we use to train attention window on the pitch wow um you just mentioned the word tactical the term tactical fluency there is um is tactical fluency the the final output like is that the vision of where you take this is that it, where um after working with you what what's the what's the ideal where do, where does where do these studies take you what's the 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 end the end objective i mean you can actually name it even more simple i think it all comes down to decision making how do i get my players to make in the right moment the right decision and that comes all down to all the things daniel just said in the last few minutes it's that, that is the final outcome When do I make the decision? How do I make the decision for me and for the team in this particular moment, in a match 
or in a training. And that also uh, uh, consists of the tactical fluency, the tactical variability. I need to be able to change that information in my head. What I trained during the week with one or two movements, suddenly I'm in a different formation, a different tactical system. That is also, I have to adjust my decisions in that moment of time. And I think that is where um, I also would call the, the exercise Daniel mentioned right now uh, with the two balls, uh, for example. This is uh, nothing else than also have some being able to, to multitask on the football field, not just to focus on one thing with one ball or with one opponent. You need to have a complete different vision to really uh, feel, feel, see and make that reaction for lots of things which interfere the game. And I think that is where you're training that multitask by actually practicing with your brain during very complex exercises on the field. So you don't just use your leg or your body in that moment. You make the decision with your brain, which then has this reflex actually, when do I use my right leg, my left leg? What do I do in this particular moment? Which one is the right and which one is the wrong decision? Daniel, so um, before we went on air, Lutz said that uh, if we cut you, you would bleed uh, ones and zeros because you're a, you're a data guy. So riffing off what Lutz just said about what his objectives are on the training pitch, how do you measure um, cognitive improvement on the pitch? Is it, is it as simple as just results or is there a, a deeper layer to it? Yeah, there are several kind of methods how you can um, measure um, cognitive skills. When you will measure it on the pitch, uh, it's um, um, it's a possibility to, uh, with tracking data. We have some KPIs how you can measure some some um, um, how they control the space or the the pressing or something like that. But of course, we have um, um, creativity tasks which are on the pitch in small-sided games, and we have scales there, and we can measure it very accurate and very objective um, how creative a player is. But of course, we have um, also trainings and test forms on the lab that that that, that mean in an computer. We have um, computer tests which can measure, for example, at the attention window task, we can um, measure um, if someone um, can track different kind of objects. We call it multiple object tracking test. And, and so we have lots of other uh, cognitive tests where we measure the cognitive ability of athletes. And we have there a rich pool of data. So we can uh, compare this data with different kind of age levels, with different kind of expertise levels. We're working with some clubs in Germany here. They produce such kind of cognitive uh, um, data. And so we can see, um, so, so for example, in, an, uh, in a youth 15, uh, we can compare the data then with the youth 16 or U17 and can see if there's an improvement in attention window or working memory or other kind of cognitive skills. So this is important that you can see there's not only the physical diagnostic, which is important for sure, but it's also the cognitive diagnostic. And some clubs in Germany and Europe try to come up with such kind of um, assessment that is um, where the assess um, where the um, the results and the performance um, of the of the youth players are measured um, according cognitive skills. So we, we talked a lot about um, individuals and developing individual talent. Is there like a, a bigger picture, like um, creating a cognitive style of football where players learn from each other? Like how do you, how do you develop from? Um, going from the individual to the team like how do you build those connections is that part of um is that part of the process 
Yes, for sure. Um, um, we, there should be a different kind of um, cognitive skills which you need if you want to make good pressing. You have to be very aggressive. You have an, a good attention window, and um, uh, you need some other multiple object tracking tasks um, abilities to to keep in mind or keep in your attention all different kind of players. And so, um, yeah, that, that that should be trained and that is important if you want to play a certain philosophy. If you have other kind of philosophies, you, you need maybe other cognitive tasks. But um, we all bring this together in our KPIs. So we try to um, have the right KPIs for the right playing style. And Lutz, just to sort of crystallize this methodology, like what... Which are the clubs in in world football where you would say they're getting close to you know that cognitive style of football, that soccer that you're looking to to bring through? Like which are? I mean, there is a you know, I think you 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 can mention a few clubs, but it would be unfair to others because you just have a different style of play and a different philosophy. We spoke a lot about our way of play, uh, the St. Louis City SC style, our philosophy, which is. Uh, high-intensity football, uh, high-pressing football, uh, a football where actually we want to be the one on the on the acting side and not on the reacting side. And that kind of pressing, counter-pressing way, you could see it uh, in Germany, for example, with uh, Leipzig uh, plays it very well. Uh, Hoffenheim plays it really well. And Borussia Dortmund plays it well. In England, of course, Liverpool with Jürgen Klopp have an extreme way of pressing. And you have other clubs like like Leeds or Brighton who are doing it really well in the Premier League. But that is all adjusted, of course, to the players you have, to the to the budgets you have. Um, and even a team, probably for me, the last years, one of the best teams in the world, uh, Man City under Guardiola. They have so many skillful players that they do still play a possession game, but they know exactly when to actually implement the moments of pressing, the moments of stress. And that is... A lot of work in the tactic room, a lot of cognitive work there as well, and just the same work on the training field. So I think uh, that is where we want to go, and, and we are very specific about our style, and we see that now with our academy boys. They are right now being eight, nine weeks into the into the training, a few games into the training, and now the excitement of being there is was the first part. Now the second part is getting used to that playing style and that is always that little valley. There is not always only the way up. There must be also a little dance in the development where players getting confused, players need to learn certain things and players need to get used to that style and actually really automize it where again that cognitive training comes in that exactly these moments Players are not surprised anymore, so it should be something you really do practice and work on as a unit. And we mentioned the pressing style. If eight player pressing presses or pressing do the pressing actions and two don't, the whole team structure crumbles into pieces. So this is a very unified style we will play where 11 players need to know exactly what we do in the right moment when we trigger our pressing moments. And that only works if we exactly develop that skills Daniel spoke about. Fantastic. Um, is, is, there a, is there a time frame that you put on, like getting that training, and you mentioned you know, the, 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 the U16 and U17 and play for eight or nine weeks. Like how long does it take for a team to develop um, those sort of automations? Is it six months, nine months, a year, or is it a... Is it a, a, you know, a never-ending goal because you always push them a little further? It's a never-ending goal. I mean, uh, you know, there is uh, 
nobody's perfect. Uh, it doesn't matter how old you are. You always can learn. You always can improve your game. And that is uh, happens in professional football. It doesn't matter if you're a world-class player or a young player uh, or a player who just gets into the game. There is always a certain area you can improve and you have to improve. And so I see our our style, our philosophy, an ongoing thing, a growing thing. Of course, we have to get used to the basics, but we still can optimize and make the basics better to try to get as close to the perfection, which we will never achieve. But trying our best, be the best in the moment, that is what you have to aim for. Fantastic. And then um, last question to you, um, Daniel. There's a, a lot of soccer players in St. Louis of all ages. Um, you know, it's an extremely passionate city and they'll be listening to this podcast and they'll be thinking, what tips could I take from here? What could I do in my spare time to make my game better, to improve the mental side of my game at whatever age they're playing? Um, could could we finish on some tips or some places that people could go and look so they could get a bit of the, the, the IP into their game? <laughs> a hard question. I think um, St. Louis is a great city and um, we talked about um, a lot about diversity. That means you should um, go to different kind of sports. You should um, act in different kind of sports that give you very different kind of perceptions and patterns. And um, we know that from research, that if, if player, youth player um, are diverse, they not only specialize on one sport, but maybe on different kind of sports, they have a higher chance to come to the top. So that uh, would be my advice. Um, not only playing one sport, not, not have your main sport, but have different kind of sports sports make uh, competitions in all that kind of sports not only have one sport you make competition you have two sports where you make competitions that is um, what uh, what data saying that um, you, you you need a multi-talent you could say and um, so that would be an, uh, an idea be, be become a multi-talent um, act in different kind of sports and have fun there uh, be competitive and um, that would be um, yeah the best thing to to to, to develop yourself Fantastic. Uh, Lutz and Dr. Daniel, thank you for uh, joining us. It was absolutely fascinating. Um, yeah, we'll be back for more. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.